ESG isn't just for ESG managers. Sustainability isn't just for sustainability directors. It's all of us. We all yep. need to pitch in, you know, whether it's your <coughs> technical engineer, whether it's your catering provider, whether it's your facilities manager for the site, whether it's your area operating manager, and we can all play our part, whether it's making sure that we stop and take five seconds to read the sign on the bin and put the right thing in the right bin. Yeah, um, We'll make sure that when we've had a meeting and we've had a really great positive meeting and we leave on a really high, um, we don't leave the lights on. We don't leave the screens on. We turn off what we can. We do what we can because then ultimately future generations won't have to do what they have to do because we've done what we can do today. Hello and welcome to Navigating ESG and Facilities in the Workplace. My name is Darren Pardy and I'm delighted to be joined by Daniel Smith, who is an ESG manager at CBRE Global Workplace Solutions. Daniel, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Darren. It's a pleasure to jump on the podcast. Thank you for, for joining. Um, Daniel, what I didn't let you know is we have five quick fire questions. I hope you're all right with this. Um, <laughs> but, um, to take the edge of the seriousness of ESG, and then we, we dive deep. Um, so, favorite film? Uh, Godfather. Good shout. Uh, favorite song? Ooh, probably anything by the Arctic Monkeys. Okay. Uh, favorite <laughs> band or artist? Would that be the Arctic Monkeys? There we are. As a boss. <laughs> Colombo. Uh, favorite place to go anywhere in the world or could be local? Uh, ooh. India. India is amazing. Um, I'd say anywhere sort of out Far East India, China, those sorts of places. Cool. Very nice. Uh, and do you like pineapple on your pizza? I do, and anybody that doesn't needs to be educated in the proper way to eat pizza. Uh, <laughs> never mind. No, I, I thought we, I thought generally thought we were going to get on there. It was um, also a good start. <laughs> here we are. Um, so, Daniel, um, you are the ESG manager. Um, how did you get involved in ESG, and what's your kind of background? Yeah, so I mean, as we spoke about previously, it's uh, as many people probably can attest to. It's never been a, a linear, straightforward path when you get in the world of ESG sustainability. So my background um, really kicked off in higher education. Um, I'd kind of bounced around a few different roles coming out of university, uh, got an opportunity to join uh, the University of Birmingham as my first kind of real um, ESG role. And that was before people even started to mention, you know, ESG as, a, as an acronym. Um, and it was mainly focused around more of the science aspect of it, more of the academic part of it. It was the, the research around uh, renewable energies. It was technologies. It was supporting a lot of academics in that kind of journey. So it kind of began there, really. And that was a drop into the deep end of, you know, someone who's that stereotypical, goes away and does a degree and then can't get for love nor money employment in that said degree. So yeah. they go off onto another tangent um but that was really interesting it was a really good kind of deep dive into the world of all things energy related yeah um, and then slowly progressed there was an opportunity um to join the estates team uh in a, in a sustainability focused role so moved over into that position still within the university still working on higher education and that kind of it it, it took the blinders off almost in a sense and it opened up the world of the wide world of what sustainability can be in the sense of, you know, real estate, 
facilities management, all those sorts of amazing and wonderful things. So that role really focused on driving uh, efficiencies, driving savings, driving reductions for the university on their estate, collaborating with other um, teams and departments across the higher education sector to work on, you know, wider programs and schemes and campaigns for energy and sustainability. Um, so that was a really interesting time. That was, you know, seven, eight years of my, my professional life. And then um, was really lucky in the fact that CBRE were advertising for this current role, um, mm-hmm. and albeit a different version of this role as it was, you know, 16 months ago. Um, and I joined CBRE uh, and haven't looked back. And it's been another, you know, learning curve, another steep learning curve into the world of, you know, I guess hard FM and what that yeah. truly means as part of FM services. So that's where I've been uh, almost for, for two years now, essentially, is, is part of the GWS team. And you, you sort of talked about your background in sustainability and I suppose mm-hmm. advances within technology. Um, so was there a passion from childhood? Yeah, as far as I suppose, just a general scientific passion and uh, a technology passion from a, from a young age. And then that kind of kind of fledged into a an environmental passion and, you know, noticing things being done a certain way and questioning things and turning it from a, you know, a professional interest into a personal passion. So, yeah, that kind of was where it all, all really began, essentially. Um, always yeah. had that technical background and interest. And it's just great that able to apply that now in a, in a professional context. So that's the environmental side of it. Do you also get, in your current role, do you also get involved in other aspects of ESG? Yeah, for sure. So the, the role of the minute has has really kind of um, developed and, and, and took full advantage of the ESG kind of acronym, I suppose. So um, it's all the environmental things, as we would expect. It is all of the social value um, piece, uh, the responsible business the ethics, the stewardship, the transparency aspect of it, uh, and then it's the governance. So it's the, you know, making sure that both we as you know our business, we as GWS, um, but then also the kind of client that we that we provide services for, we are both you know doing the right thing. We're both being a responsible business in, in every sense of the word, uh, and then how we kind of tie the whole process together because you know people. You know, it's the age-old thing of people that work in environmental fields or they work in sustainability. Um, it's you've got all these different pillars, you've got all these different work streams, all this different activity, and it's very easy for the kind of horse to run off and leave the cart trailing behind it if you don't have the governance to tie it all together. So uh, I tend to sort of say, you you know, yes, there's technically there's three pillars, three aspects of ESG, but if you looked at it realistically, you've got your two real, you've got your E and your S, and then your G kind of ties those all together, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And also that meaningful reporting. So yes. you can see that changes actually happening. Well, yeah, that's the kind of your last key step, essentially, is it's your, your, you're working along your steps, you're, you're doing your delivery, you're doing your actions and your activity within your kind of E and your S. And then yep. you're utilizing the framework that you build as part of your governance to then report back um, on your successes, on your challenges, on new areas that may need tweaking and then redeveloping, redeploying to get a better result from them. Yep. So, so has that led to kind of a, an advisor role within what you do for your clients? Yeah. So essentially, the, I suppose the way that the role is structured at the moment is that um, we have a client that is multinational. They have uh, a very large estate portfolio of work, of property, 
And we have a typical, I guess you would say, typical kind of FM management setup in that respect. So we have the team that are looking after the services, they're maintaining the assets and the buildings for them. And then we have uh, a support team, a support services team that are made up of myself and colleagues that deliver the kind of external services that don't relate directly to the FM management. And that will be ESG, that will be innovation and transformation and pieces like that. So essentially the ESG role at the moment is advising and leading and kind of delivering strategies that we we know are in line with what the client are requiring at the time and that what their expectations are or yep. that we get the, the the challenge set i guess if you will from the client to to go away and come up with this idea this solution and deliver it for them on their behalf right okay and how do you think that organizations like cbre and other fms are uh, kind of impacting on communities and organizations from an esg point of view I think massively. I think, you know, CBRE is one example of, you know, the the, the the huge global companies that we see that are out in the market today. And they're in this prime position where the critical mass of people, boots on the ground, you know, men and women doing all these amazing different types of varied jobs, whether it's responsibility manager, you know, ethical procurement, ESG, mm-hmm. social value officer, um, all these roles, uh, essentially, they all have that pinpoint in that particular location to be able to make some change and make some impact. You know, it's a, a typical uh, catchphrase I tend to use back in the day from sustainability where it's, you know, small changes brought together make a big impact. And mm. you've got the big company, the big companies doing all of these small changes and a kind of wide scale approach. So they're, they're, they're making a real difference, in my opinion. You've got, you've only got to kind of go more past your typical construction site that's being looked after by a large FM company or a big contractor and you can see the work they're doing. You can see, you know, the volunteering, the work experience, the internships for the local area. You can see the the bug boxes, the bird houses, the hedgehog hotels, all these great things that are yeah. supporting that area. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really key for the big businesses, if they are going to really do, you know, social value change, is to ensure that they're linking up with, you know, their procurement people, their procurement teams who can impact from a supply chain point of view in that local community you can employ locally you can buy and you can source from local businesses to help kind of lift them up and empower them so i think cbre do some really good examples of that we do some really great work on our diverse spend on our uh, diverse supplier portfolio we've set quite ambitious targets around making sure that we are working with a diverse supply chain ourselves within gws um, and that's a leadership thing that comes right from the top all the way down it's embedded in everything that we do and we're constantly going out and making sure, okay, yes, we know we've got, you know, supplier X that can do next day delivery and they've got 60 warehouses across the UK, but can we go to supplier A who is a really innovative company? They're just getting started. They're an SME. They need that support to get that mass so they can start getting some really good turnover. Yeah, um, That's where we're at at the moment. It's appreciating the, the big giants that can do what we need them to do when we need them to do it but it's giving opportunities to the up-and-coming businesses and the up-and-coming social enterprises, non-profit organisations who really need that support from companies like CBRE and, and others that are out there. Yep. And they certainly practice what they preach. I've been to some of their events. Um, fantastic. Yeah, we, we put on a good event and, uh, yeah, we're really ramping up. We've got some really good uh, restructured leadership now around the whole ESG piece within um within CBRE, but then within GWS, which is our kind of division specifically. 
So we've got some really good leadership around the environmental movement and, and we can see that because we've had a flurry of events, of knowledge sessions, of campaigns and, and actually, you know, fully enough, uh, next week we're going to do um, a sponsored plastic fishing event at the Thames in London. Right, so we're bringing okay. all of our team, all of our staff involved, we're going to go down and spend the day uh, cleaning up a stretch of the Thames. Fantastic. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. What, what innovations do you think there are kind of out there at the moment within the world of FM um, to help reduce carbon? There's lots. And, you know, innovations is always the one that uh, tends to, to, to prick ears up. And, you know, in my opinion, yes, we've got the, you know, you've got the hard innovations, you've got the energy innovations that you can see that will bring the direct reduction. So, you know, we're working with our energy team now to look at those innovative areas in terms of, you know, software tools and, and processes and, and platforms that you can use to do a lot of analysis and deep dive into Internet of Things, the fun area around lots and lots of sensors and monitoring the internal environment to control your buildings, plant equipment. So we've got that. We've got the kind of wireless um, wireless energy metering monitoring systems. We've got dashboarding that's out there at the moment that we can do some really interesting things with. So we, we focus on that and that's really good and, 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 and I'm definitely involved in those. But I like the, you kind of refer to them as the non-energy innovations because a lot of innovation, when we talk about innovation, energy gets mentioned quite a lot in the kind of ESG context. But yeah. it's worth remembering that there are a lot of other innovations that don't directly have the, they won't have the energy KPI, they won't have the energy benefit, but they'll still produce a, a carbon benefit in the long term. Yeah. So we're looking at innovations at the moment around scrapping um, the, the age-old single-use cups for coffees and, and doing a kind of rinse and return type system, a very yeah. kind of slim down deposit return type system, which is what we see at the moment coming out of the market in the UK. Okay. So we're doing some things along there and, you know, it's it's very it's early stages, so I don't want to kind of jinx myself too much around yeah. the projects that we've got going on. But, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff. We're doing um, some great stuff around uh, recycling innovations at the moment. We're doing a lot of you know, collecting items that we would normally find to be difficult to recycle historically. We're taking stationery, uh, you know, if we've got broken items of stationery that our client aren't able to use. We're finding routes for those to be recycled if it still works. And it's yep. just a bit of an old piece of, you know, it's an old stapler. It's an old hole punch that they don't really need anymore. Um, mm. We've set up links to be able to donate those items to people that could actually really benefit from using them and that generally can't afford the, the £2.50 for a stapler or a hole punch. So yep. we're doing that. Um, we're doing a lot around helping our client from a, a kind of uh, ethical asset clearance upcycling point of view, kind of towing the water in the circular economy model, uh, if, if you like, and yep. looking at how we can go away from that kind of cradle-to-grave model of you know taking a chair, a file cabinet, a pedestal unit, um, and just, you know, stripping it down, skipping it um, or chucking it into a materials recycling facility. So we're moving to a more circular approach where we've partnered with a really great social enterprise who actually they'll come and help us with that clearance. So they'll they'll do the, the process of a, a waste removal company, which is great. It's a standards kind of um, business as usual. And then their innovation will be that they will collate everything that can be upcycled and salvaged. And they'll go out and make links with um, local UK charities, first and foremost. And they'll look at some really great charities that are local to the wherever you're doing the, the, the demobilization piece of work. And then they'll go and look at 
the kind of charities further afield, anywhere that we can do to support, you know, less economically developed countries or regions, and they'll go and donate um, school supplies, tables, desks, chairs to people that, you know, historically can't afford those types of things. So, yeah, I think we're doing some really interesting innovations across the kind of typical energy reduction innovations piece, and then also into the more sort of soft services innovations as well. Fantastic. Uh, and what sort of big changes do you think there'll be within the workplace or within the FM world over over the next few years relating to ESG? Yeah, I think we're all going to see, you know, uh, you, you, you stay tapped into the news updates and you look at the, the government websites and stuff and you can see how change is going to be impacted by certain things that are coming to fruition at the moment. So I feel like um, things around single-use plastics, the, the legislation, the policies, the laws that are coming in, thick and fast on that are going to really make a difference. It's going to mean that from the world, I suppose, of FM and, and soft services management, supply chain needs to think differently on what they do. And that means that we need to then also think differently to be able to provide the infrastructure to support that shift. Because ultimately, you know, within the scale of, you know, two to five years, we're going to be essentially working in, a, in, a, in an environment where there's no opportunity for plastic to enter the building, enter the stream. We have to look at how we can use reusables, make sure that we're doing anything that's not, you know, single use, use it once, throw it in the bin, looking at compostable, biodegradable items. And, <coughs> excuse me, they are an amazing change that's going to come, but they're going to require the work in the, the kind of behind the scenes to set up that dedicated infrastructure to be able to manage that properly in an environmentally sound way. Um, so, yeah, there's those sorts of compliances. There's the, obviously, the looming... Uh, the net zero targets that everybody sets. And, and, you know, we as CBRE have set our own within GWS, but we also have our clients' targets to think about also. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, the changes there around, you know, how do we ramp up the performance? How do we ramp up what we're doing on energy projects? And how do we get those big impactful savings within the short space of time that we've got? You know, some of our targets, both GWS and client, were start at 2030 and go to 2045 so we've got essentially less than an eight-year clock ticking now to start putting in some really impactful changes to bring some of those emissions down so i think for my personally we'll probably see the most changes in those two things in the in the carbon emissions rate sector and then in the the waste and the single-use plastic sector as well yeah well fantastic um, Daniel, that's all my questions, and that's been very informative. So I really appreciate that. Is there anything you'd like to add at all? No, no. I think it's just you know a bit of a, always a, a closing word on the fact that ESG isn't just for ESG managers. Sustainability isn't just for sustainability directors. It's all of us. We all yep. need to pitch in. You know, whether it's your <coughs> technical engineer, whether it's your catering provider, whether it's your facilities manager for the site, whether it's your area operating manager. And we can all play our part, whether it's making sure that we stop and take five seconds to read the sign on the bin and put the right thing in the right bin. Yeah, um, We'll make sure that when we've had a meeting and we've had a really great positive meeting and we leave on a really high, um, we don't leave the lights on. We don't leave the screens on. We turn off what we can. We do what we can because then ultimately future generations won't have to do what they have to do because we've done what we can do today. Yeah. So I guess that's a final word. And just thank you for the opportunity. It's been great chatting with you being able to jump on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Really, really appreciate it. And I agree, we are in this together. And uh, it's not just of a, for the select few to um, to sort out. It, it's very much all of us. But Daniel, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. And uh, speak soon. Take care. Yeah, Bye. Darren, thank you very much.